Praise God. Well, get your Bibles out. And if you would, go to the book of Galatians chapter 6. Now, some of you this morning, if you've been here for a while, you're going to say, I think I heard Pastor preach a message, that message before. And uh, you'd be right. I usually never, ever preach the same message twice. And matter of fact, I went back and tried to find my notes when I preached this before and I couldn't even find them. But uh, I preached this message on Jonah and the well before. But every year I'm reading my Bible, you know, and, I, and I'm reading through my Bible and I come to the book of Jonah and I read it and I get all fired up and I'm just like, to me, it's the greatest story. Uh, it just always speaks to my heart and it's always different. And so you may have heard some things, but you hadn't heard everything because it's all different this morning. So it's because it's fresh off the press. God's showing me some things. But anyway, we're going to start this morning. The title of this message is Paying the Fare. Paying the Fare. All right, Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. (coughs) Excuse me. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. There's a law, and it's not just a law that's in the kingdom of God. It's like the law of gravity. The law of gravity, it affects a Christian and it affects a non-Christian. Hello? You trip, you're going to fall down. It's the law of gravity. It's in effect. It's always hit round. Well, the law of sowing and reaping also is in effect, whether you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian. You sow ugly, you're going to reap ugly. Hello? I mean, if you're ugly to people, people don't want to be around you. And so then people are going to react to you in the same manner. Is that true? And it's true whether you're the, the, the most holy spiritual Christian there ever was or you're just a dog-faced heathen. Hello? It works. It's not like it's a trick. It's not like it's the power of positive thinking. No, it's a law that's in effect in the land. So if you sow love, you sow grace... You sow mercy. Oh, yeah, there's always going to be some, some, you know, evil person, some mean person that doesn't maybe give back to you that. But there'll be others that will. Hello? So, <clears throat> so let's say the same thing. Okay, let's just, talk about, let's just talk about anything. Let's talk about your relationship in marriage. Right? You're mean to your wife. You're not going to get anything. You're mean to your girlfriend. You're not going to have a girlfriend. Right? So it's not like I'm trying, to pre- I'm trying to preach some great big spiritual revelation here this morning. I'm just telling you what is, you know, the world, a lot of times they want to call it karma. Okay? But it's really the law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you're going to reap. It's in, it's in, I just want you to understand this. You cannot get away from it. All right? You sow finances bad. You're going to reap bad. You make bad investments. You're not going to reap anything off your investments, right? Okay, and it's going to come, and you can't stop it from happening. You've sown bad. You're going to reap bad. You can't stop it from coming back. All you can do is position yourself to endure it, okay? So I keep hearing a lot of preachers preaching about the fall of America, and all I say is, is, no, wait a minute. I don't believe God necessarily has anything to do with it. Hear me out. Hear me out. 
I believe it's the law of sowing and reaping in effect. You keep sowing wrong things, you're going to reap wrong things. Hello? And so the law of sowing and reaping comes into effect. And so because America, we've made some very, very, very bad decisions. <clears throat> Can I get a better amen than that? Like, I, I, you know, <laughs> oh, man. People, I just don't understand them sometimes. I just can't. I can't, I can't understand it. I, I, I just look and I'm like, I can't understand where you're coming from in your thinking. I, 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 I'm just, I, I just get, and I had to stop doing it because I get so caught up with seeing how people are so crazy. And I just like, what, how, what happened to you? Got dropped on your head out of the crib or what? I mean, how can you have this thinking? It's just like, <clears throat> just like the conflict going on, the war going on right now in Israel against Hamas. Did no one ever look to see? Listen, how many of you guys know when you dig a post hole to put a post in, you dig a post hole, there's dirt that comes out. And if you're digging tunnels all over the country, did no one ever notice that there happened to be a lot of dirt around? I mean, you don't have to have a, 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 a satellite imagery to try to figure this stuff out. You just say, hey, you know, there's a pile of dirt there and there wasn't before. And that's a lot of dirt. You dig a hole big enough to drive a car through for very long, you have a lot of dirt you have to get rid of. Hello? And no one looked at the piles of dirt? What you sow, you're going to reap. Hello? Everybody say, what I sow, I'm going to reap. But that doesn't stop us. Have y'all noticed this? Unless y'all are just more perfect than I am and don't make mistakes, we as humans, we tend to really kind of do some dumb things in our sowing. And we don't think it's going to come back. It all has an effect. It all goes out here. Okay. Well, now go over in your Bible to the book of Jonah. If you don't know where Jonah is, just go to your index in the front. Stuck all there in the minor prophets. So to those of you that have never heard me preach this on Jonah and the well, you're going to get a, a, a great blessing today. And I believe that, that God can do something miraculous for you today if you'll grab hold of it. I'm starting in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose, and he fled to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarsus, so he paid the fare. And he went down to it to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Okay. If you went and looked at a map, Tarsus is exactly the opposite direction of Nineveh. So as soon as God speaks to him and says, I want you to go do this for me, he doesn't even, if you, you know, reading the, right, you just read the passage, he doesn't even argue with God or say anything to God or God, I don't want to. He just goes down, gets on a boat, pays the fare, and goes the opposite direction. Has God ever said something to you and you didn't even acknowledge it back? You know, I'd like you to quit doing this. And you're just like, okay, we're going this direction. <laughs> See, we can't point the finger at Jonah too much because we've all done it in life. You know God's dealing with you about something, but you don't want to deal with it. He's trying to get you to stop sowing in the wrong direction. But what we do is we keep wanting to do it and it to line up and work. And what God's trying to do in our life, you know, we see it and we just turn and go the other direction. We don't want to mess with it. We don't want to deal with God. That's why people don't want to serve God. 
That's why the world's going nuts right now. It's because people do not want to subject themselves to the truth of the Word of God. Because they believe that what they're doing, sowing to their flesh, is going to bring greater joy than sowing to the Spirit and having a relationship with God. So they don't want to acknowledge God. They don't want to have God in their life. And so that puts them into a place where all they're doing is just like Jonah. Every time God gets in their face, they run the other direction. Now, I've served God for over 40 years now. And I'm going to tell you something. I have never had God lead me in a direction that turned out worse than I was when I was where I was at. Hello? I've never had that happen. I, there were things that God led me to I didn't really want to walk into. But after walking through it and getting on the other side of it, there was more joy over there than there was on this side of it. I've never had God lead me astray. I've never had God lead me into a place that ended up in torment. I've always had God lead me into a place that ended up being more peaceful. I was stronger. I was more knowledgeable. I was reaping more benefits. Amen? Okay. But Jonah didn't see it that way. He's like, God wants me to go to Nineveh. I don't want to. I'm out of here. The opposite direction. Now look at verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind in the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. See, you can't go against God that there's not going to be turmoil. I'm sorry, folks. Listen to me. You, you, you can look at it. The, the problems that people are having in America right now are the world, but America, I'm talking about America also, right now is turmoil that's been brought in their lives because they're going against God. God didn't necessarily do it as a specific point, but whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So, I mean, it makes sense we want to sow to righteousness. If we want to, like, like let's say you have a business, and in your business you decided you're going to cheat everybody that comes into your business. You're going to prosper. Well, no. How many times people have been caught embezzling money from companies, and they said, well, I was just going to take a little bit, but they did a little bit over a long period of time, and it ended up being be a lot. And then they're like, but, I mean, it wasn't that much. And you're like, no, I'm sorry, you can't steal and think you're going to prosper, Right? But people want to do that. I saw this great video, and they were they, they, these these people. Ah, I'm gonna get in trouble on this one, but these people were interviewing, and they and they asked asked the the person said, "Can you change your race?" And the person said, "Well, no, you can't change your race." And so then they said, "Well, can you change your gender?" Well, uh, and they'd catch them every time. They said, "Can you change your race?" He said, "Well, no, you can't change your race. It's ridiculous." Well, then can you change your gender? And they say, well, no, 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 your race, you can't change your race because that's what you were born with. The point is, see, some people just don't want to listen. They don't want to have reason. They just want things to be like they are because that's the way they want the things to be. But if you're going against God and the nature of God and the righteousness of God and the sowing of God, you're going to reap a whirlwind. And I'm telling you, America has to change its direction or there's nothing but a whirlwind, a tempest coming for us. And there's, it's not God's fault. It's our fault. You cannot reject. Listen, why are schools so violent? Well, because it took God out of everything. When I grew up, there was a Ten Commandments on the wall, right? And then now you walk with the Ten Commandments, you'd have thought you got a box full of, you know, poisonous spiders or something. I mean, that is scared to death of the Ten Commandments. I mean, you're like, they're so vicious. Like, let's don't kill and let's don't steal. You know, these really things that just, you know, horrible things you shouldn't make people do. What? So verse 5, 
Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and they threw the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship and had laid down and went to sleep. Isn't it interesting that when people get into trouble, they cry out to God or they blame God? Well, wait a minute. If there wasn't a God, then why are you blaming him? Well, God did this to us. Oh, do you, you believe in God? Do you fear God? Well, no, but well, wait, you just see, it doesn't make any sense. Are y'all with me? Doesn't make any sense. If there's no God, well, then, okay, well, then you got to have your belief system based upon that. So don't go get mad and claim God did it. Don't go in there and claim it's an act of God. Always thought that was interesting. Insurance companies, they came on, you know, tornadoes and stuff like that. It was an act of God. Oh, so you're acknowledging there's God? No, no, we're not really doing that. We're just saying it would be like there was a God that did it. Well, then why are you using that verbiage? Why don't you say major disaster? But when people get in trouble, they start looking for something bigger than themselves to solve their problem. Hello? That's why people look to government or institutions or something like this to, 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 to be their deliverance. But they're looking in the wrong place. But, oh, Jonah, he just down there. He, I mean, this dude is totally out of the will of God. He, you're going to see in just a second, he knows that the whole issues they're in right now is caused by God, yet he has the ability to just go down to the bottom of the ship and go to sleep. Okay, let's read on. So then, <clears throat> verse 6, it says, the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps God will consider us so that we may not perish. You see, here again, call on your God. We don't know what God. We don't know who's really God, but we're going to call on every God we know because we're in trouble. Hello? They'd thrown their cargo over, so therefore they weren't going to get paid for their, their ship. They knew all that. They're just trying to live. And they're saying, just call on a God, anybody, use anybody. We just want to see if somebody will work, okay? But it's interesting. Isaiah 26, 17 says this. As a woman, the child is in pain and cries out in her pains when she draws near the time of her delivery. So we have been in your sight, O Lord. We have been with child and we have been in pain and we have as if it were brought forth wind. We have not accomplished any deliverance in the earth, nor have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Your deeds shall live. Together with my dead body, they shall arise. Wake and sing, you who dwell in the dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the, the earth shall be cast out of the dead. Isaiah's prophesying, and he's prophesying, look, you, got, you people need to wake up. You say you're going to deliver a baby, and you got big and you got swelled up. And it looked like you were going to deliver a baby. But you didn't bring forth anything but wind. You were bloated on gas. I mean, Isaiah said it. I'm just re-preaching it here, okay? He's the first one that preached it, okay? So what's happening is, this is what I'm saying. People get all settled and they get to thinking, this is right. I'm just going to call them. I think this God will work. And they go to that God. Oh, it's just going to be the God of fulfilling my flesh. Makes what, this is what makes me happy. This is, this is what makes me feel good. And I'm going to worship that God. But what you do is you become pregnant like it's going to birth something and bring something into your life, but all it's really going to bring is gas. I mean, this is such a good point, I just can't leave it alone. Because you know what happens with gas, right? And it doesn't smell good. And so you get stuck with smelly people that are producing nothing but a bad smell and a bad odor. They're getting nowhere. They're producing nothing. They're not bringing forth babies. They're not bringing forth productivity. But yet they jump up and down and say, no, 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 this God is the God I want to do. But all he'll do is bring forth wind. So to put it simply, when you're not serving the almighty God, you're not having a relationship with Jesus Christ, 
you serve anything else, all you're going to do is produce gas. That's the fruit of your ministry. Verse 7. And they said to one another, come and let us cast lots that we may know for we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast Lot, and the Lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us, and what is your occupation, and where do you come from, and what is your country, and of what, are you, or what people are you of? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So here's Jonah, and his, this, listen to what I'm saying, his troubles with God, are affecting those around him. So the troubles of those around us are affecting us. That's the problem we're finding in America right now. The craziness is having an effect on all of us. Even though we don't believe it, and we know what's right, and we're serving God, we're trying to walk with God, we're still on a ship that the storm is blowing, all because of the law sowing and reaping. So now they cast lots. It's fell on Jonah. Jonah says, well, this is who I am. I fear God, and I serve God. And so the people are like, verse 10 says, And then the men were exceedingly afraid, and they said to him, Well, why have you done this? Because they knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord. So they got more sense than Jonah, right? They're looking at Jonah saying, why, What are you doing? Why, if you serve the God that made the heavens and the earth, then, and, and, and you know he called you to do this, and why are you fleeing from him? See, their eyes are open. They're awake. They can see. This is what we need to pray over America. That people will wake up and see. Their eyes will be open. They'll be like these mariners and they'll be able to look and say, dude, this is going the wrong direction. It says, so they knew this. They knew he'd fled from the presence of God. And then he said, what shall we do that the sea may be calm for us? And the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, well, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And then the sea will be calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to the land. Look how honorable they were. They're like, we're not going to throw the dude into the middle of the sea. That's, that's, that, that might make God mad. Therefore, they cried out to the Lord, and he said, We pray, O Lord, please don't let this perish, perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done it as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, and they threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Okay, so I don't, can you imagine this scene? Here's the winds and the storms, and it's all coming up, and it's going everywhere. And then the, as soon as old Jonah hits the water, kaboosh, sun comes out. As soon as these men said, you know, the direction we're going is wrong. We've got to make a change. We've got to stop. We can't do this. As soon as they made correction, boom, God moved. Now, verse 17. Now, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, <clears throat> again, they throw Jonah in. I mean, let's just put this and look at this realistically. The seas stop and they calm. He couldn't have been very far from the ship, right? So they're looking over the ship and all of a sudden, now what do you think they thought? You don't, we don't get any more thoughts on the mariners. But I guarantee they were like freaking out. Because you're on the ship, you're in the water, and they just saw a beast eat a man. Hello? So now they don't want to get in the water or close to the water. I guarantee it changed their life forever. Okay, but do you notice it says, Now the Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. He prepared it. The fish was there. Now this is where people want to throw rocks at me, but go ahead because I'm preaching. I don't know what the fish was, all right? And we always say it's a whale. And everybody says, Yeah, but a whale is a mammal. Okay, well, maybe it was a Leviathan. I don't know. And he was a fish breed. I don't know. 
I mean, sometimes people are so technical on trying to get everything, they miss the whole spirit of the story. So just give me this one, all right? And so I did some research. It always got me about, you know, the, about he prepared a great fish and, and looking at this and thinking about swallowing a man and all this kind of stuff. And I kept doing research and kept praying and all this. And so finally came up to the deduction that there's only one whale that could swallow a person. It would be a sperm whale. And that the way that they have their, the, 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 the width of their mouths and the way that they, they eat the little fish and what they could do, it, it would be possible for a man to be swallowed whole inside of a fish's belly, okay? And so I just was looking at this and I was just researching this, all right? And, and the Holy Ghost gave me this little nugget that I'm going to give you, okay? But I, I, I got to read a little bit more and I'm going to come back to my sperm well. Go to chapter 2 now. Jonah chapter 2 verse 1. It says, and Jonah prayed to the Lord from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me, out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep and into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. And at your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down into the moorings of the mountains, and the earth with its bare bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought me up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When, I, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you and into your holy temple. Those who regarded worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Okay, this dude's in trouble. He's being digested. There's only one way to go back out the fish. Okay? And so... He's been down to the bottoms of the sea. He's got seaweed wrapped around his head. He is being digested in this fish's belly. Now, if you want to know one of the most stubborn people in the Bible, it would be Jonah. Because here's this guy who knows he's wrong. He knows he's fled from the presence of God. He knows he's not doing right. And it took him inside. Not the storm got him. The storm on the sea that freaked all the mariners out. He's asleep at the bottom of the ship. It took him being swallowed by a fish, taken to the bottom of the ocean, getting digested in the middle of the fish's belly before he cried out and repented. You see, some people are just that away. They're just hard-headed. They just will not repent. They will not relent. They will not stop and turn themselves and turn towards God. They just keep going down a disastrous road, one disaster after the next disaster after the next disaster, and you look at them and you say, when? When is enough? When are you going to cry out? Well, some people have to go all the way to the bottom of the depths of the ocean before they'll repent. Sorry to say, okay? Now back to my sperm whale. The normal diet of sperm whales is to eat a little critter called a cuttlefish. Now this is true. I'm not making this up. They eat a little critter called a cuttlefish. But the problem with cuttlefish is cuttlefish is really a delicacy to them, except they have a hook that looks sort of like a cat's claw in their, on their body that gets inside the lining of sperm whales, okay? It, it, and it irritates their gut because these little spines get in there. And so sperm whales, this is the reason why I'm still on a sperm whale, at certain times... They literally find sharp banks on the ocean outside the water. They find these sharp banks that they can come up and 
hit their gut on that bank and cause themselves to throw up. To regurgitate all these little spines that these cuttlefish have put inside their gut. Y'all can go research this. this I, don't, I, don't, I can fully well 100% tell you you'll find the truth. I'm not making it up. I'm not embellishing the story. <clears throat> but what sperm whales have on the inside of them is, is they have this substance, this black putrefying substance that is kind of like their own body trying to secrete like Pepto-Bismol inside their stomach, trying to soothe that lining of where all those cuttlefish are. And this black, nasty substance gets all over those spines, and it tries to, 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 to cover it, okay? And so as it's trying to cover it, then that all gets in their gut, and they got major gut problems. So that's why they find these ridges. They leap out of the water. They hit their gut on there. They regurgitate this stuff, and it comes out in usually balls, like round balls of this black, foul substance with cuttlefish hooks in it, all right? So I have your attention. Those of you that know my story, you know where I'm going. Those of you that don't understand, what in the world does this have anything to do with Jesus? When this black, foul substance hits the ground and it's exposed to oxygen, it starts to solidify, and then it starts to change its composition. The oxygen in the air begins to change from turning into a black, foul substance into something called ambergris. Ambergris. And if you know anything about ambergris, ambergris has forever been sought out by perfume manufacturers because the basis for all perfumes was ambergris. And this became a great thing, and there used to be people that searched, and they would know where these sperm wells would travel, and they would find these banks because they knew it was going to happen, and they would get this, you know, when it first came out, it was a foul substance, but they would get it, and then they would take it because that's how they made their money because once you got a ball of this stuff, it was worth just tremendous, worth more than gold to have this to go to perfume manufacturers because that's what they made sweet-smelling perfume out of. Is that about the wildest story you've ever heard? I went from the sperm of a whale's gut spitting out cuttlefish hooks and then it lands on the bank and turns out something that we humans make perfume out of. It sounds too good to be true, right? It sounds like the most far-fetched thing in the world. But, you know, God loves to do things like this. He's the, he's the ultimate master. He loves to do things like this in his creation, okay? So, wait a minute. So when Jonah got spit out, I just dare to say that could have been a few balls of ambergris laying around him. I've always wondered, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I've always wondered that at that moment when he got spit out, what if there was somebody on the banks that knew this and they knew that the whales were doing this at this time of year and that they could have been there and so they're going up to find some ambergris and they see the whale, you know, ah, there's some over there, Charlie, let's go over there. And so they run over there and here's Jonah, all white and seaweed over his head and digested and, you know, this could be another whole story, right? But I'll read this scripture to you, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet smelling aroma. The Bible talks all about that your prayers offered up to God are a sweet smelling aroma. Isn't it interesting that God is the one who also can take you in the middle of your biggest mess that you've gotten yourself into in life when you have actually sowed everything that's wrong? And you're about to reap the whirlwind. Hello? But God somehow, when a person repents, has an ability to spit you out on the ground as a piece of ambergris and make you 
through the mess you've made in your life, a sweet-smelling aroma to him. Because God loves a person who will repent. Hard-headed people, stubborn people, he takes them to the bottom of the ocean. People that are repentant, he brings up to the top, spits them out on ground as a piece of sweet-smelling ambergris. God has the ability to take the mess of your life and turn it into something glorious if you're just willing and repent. But will we? Are we going to be like, are we going to be like uh, Jonah? Are we going to get sucked into the whale's belly before we realize what's wrong? Go to chapter 3, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. So now Jonah's out. He's out of the, bellies, the, the belly of the whale. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach, preach to it the message that I tell you. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that <laughs> he's right back where he started, right? God picks right back up where he left off with Jonah. He doesn't say, you know, he doesn't say anything ugly to him. He doesn't say, you know, you're such a dummy. He's repentant. He's right back at the place with God. That's what's so glorious about repentance. What's so glorious about repentance is it always takes you right back to the last place you were with God. You just, God's not even cared about the, the, the seaweed on your head. Because see, he spit you out when repentance came, and now you smell sweet to God because you repented. So he tells Jonah, okay, go preach to Nineveh. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh. This time he did it right. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three-day journey in extent. Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk, and he cried out, and he said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, put the sackcloth, put on sackcloth from the greatest unto the least of them. Here's a whole city. It was so big, it took him three days to walk through it. And they all, when they heard Jonah's preaching, they turned to the Lord and they repented. So you're on, I want to ask you a question. Is America at a, at a, at a good place right now? I want to tell you no, because everywhere everybody's preaching and standing on the streets and saying thing, everybody's rejecting. There's no tender hearts. There's no people repenting in sackcloth and saying, no, truly God is God. Had a great move of God at Asbury College, and then what happened? I'm not saying everybody in America is not right. I'm just saying there's a whole lot of people that, that still, they're not interested in serving the Almighty God. So what happens? Well, we're still on the boat. We're still in the middle of the storm. Where are we in the timeline? Well, we're still in the boat in the storm. Possibly, if there's a presidential change, somebody might get thrown in the water. <clears throat> but as of right now, I don't know. Look at the person beside you and say, we need to throw somebody in the water. Okay, go to chapter, verse 6. I mean, chapter 3, verse 6. Then the word of the Lord came to the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne. He laid aside his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth and with ashes. And he caused him to proclaim and publish throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and the nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast nor herd nor flock taste anything, and don't let any of them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hand. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their work, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he, it, it, and he did not do it. But I just want to say something. It all started with sowing and reaping. The reason why Nineveh got themselves in the situation they were in, because of sowing and reaping. Do you see that? You have to understand something. When the, when the, when the Hebrews wrote in the Bible, because their belief was is that God was, God, he was in charge of everything. And so every time that they wrote, they wrote in what's called the allowative sense. In other words, 
Um, in other words, I dropped this bottle. Well, God allowed it to drop. Not Robert just dropped it. You are with me? So when it says, you know, God relented from that, well, what happens is in life, this is what you got to get hold of. This is the revelation you got to get this morning. Repentance changes everything in your life. If you want things to start lining up in your life, and I'm talking about everything. I'm not talking about just your spiritual happiness. I'm not just talking. I'm talking about your physical being, your surroundings, how your life is affecting everyone around you. Just repent. Turn to God and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I make mistakes. I mess things up. I, don't, I haven't done what's right. Folks, listen to me. You, you don't have to. Uh, come on. Come on. Come on, look at the person beside you and say, he's talking to you. Come on, I'm telling you, we all, I repent continually. I'm not like I repented, you know, 38 years ago and got saved. I'm talking about I make mistakes all the time. I am human. I don't have the right thinking and the right thoughts. I'll be watching something and I'll say, somebody ought to slap him. And then, then the scripture comes up immediately. The Bible says the, the, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I was like, Ugh. Sorry, Lord, I'm wrong. My thinking is wrong. You need to have a life that's a life full of repentance. And you get angry, don't say, well, I'm, I am right. I don't care. You need to change. No, you need to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry I got angry. You've got a better way to do this. Show me how, how to do it. When you live a life of repentance, just like the king and the whole city of Nineveh, they all repented, it changes the law of sowing and reaping and starts to bring the blessing of God into your life. But when you stay in unrepentance, is that right? Is that a word? Unrepentance? Non-repentance? Whatever the word is. When you keep yourself in that position, what you're going to do is you're going to reap the storm. And if you get mad and blame it on God, God's saying, look, I didn't do it. You did it. All I did was interact the law of sowing and reaping. So go to Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. Let me finish this up. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. He became angry. Wow. What a... That's what I'm telling you. Jonah, man, he's somebody. I got to see him when I get to heaven. Say, dude, man, you were like one serious, hard-headed dude. It wasn't enough. You should have been happy all of Nineveh got saved. And God relented from anything. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was, I not, was not this what I said when I was still in the country? He's talking about his country. Before he, all, he went to the belly of the well and everything. Therefore, I fled previously to Tarsus, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better that I die and I'm not even live. This dude needed some serious psychological counseling or something, you know. But just think about this. He's saying, I would rather have seen God destroy Nineveh. He hated those people or disliked the Ninevites so much. He said, suit me, get rid of them. This is where we have to be careful, you good Christian people, because we want to get rid of the Ninevites. But you have to understand something. God loved them. God loved the Ninevites, and he saved the whole country, the whole city. What's interesting, if you go look at history, all this story of the Jonah and the, the repentance of Nineveh and all, you can find actual data that this happened and the king did this and there was a whole city repented and the whole city turned to God. It really happened. But it wasn't, they didn't last but about 20 years and got themselves right back in a, another mess again. And that time the city was destroyed by earthquake or some natural disaster. And then you know where Nineveh is now? The city of Nineveh? It's over there in the middle of the Middle East, right there in the middle of Iraq. And it's been totally and completely destroyed. And there's nothing there but the remnants of a city and all the great things of Nineveh have been destroyed. Point being, when you start sowing things, listen, it, you're going to reap the whirlwind. 
unless you repent. There's one thing I can promise you about. You're not going to reap good from it. There's no way you can turn and get good out of sowing bad. It doesn't work. So Jonah here, he's all mad. He goes out and he's crying. If you just go read the story. So he makes himself a little shelter. He puts it in there. It's really hot. And God grew a plant up real quick. Just grew up, grew up, grew up and gave old Jonah some shade. Jonah said, oh, isn't that nice? And then God created a worm. Worm comes and eats the, 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 the stem and the plant dies. And then Jonah's just out there in the hot. And then he's mad at God again because it had a plant and then had a dumb worm come. And he's all this is. And then God at the very end of it, God at the very end speaks to him. And he says, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, is it right for me to be angry even unto death? But the Lord said, you, you have pity on the plant for which you have not labored or made it and, and grow and came into the night and you perished in the night. And should I not have pity on Nineveh, this great city in which there's more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? You see, folks, we don't understand the plan of God. Because Isaiah 55, 8 says, God's ways are higher than your ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We think on a, on a low level compared to what God thinks. God was looking at 120 souls being saved in Nineveh, okay? What I'm saying to you is you may not understand the situation and the circumstances going on in life right now. You may not understand the situations and circumstances taking place with everything in America right now. You may be wondering, why is this going on? Why is that happening? The first thing you have to do is you have to check your own heart and see, are you right with God? Just hear what I'm saying. Are you right with God? Are you harboring unforgiveness? Are you harboring resentment? Are you harboring anger? Are you harboring these things within your heart? Because the place you need to be is a clean, pure, repentant heart before God. And if you're in that place, man, you can ride the storm out. You can go to sleep in the bottom of the boat. Or you can ride up on the top. Hold on. Ride it like a bull. Because you know you're right with God. Because you've kept your heart clean and you know it's just, it's simple. It's called penance. What does repentance mean? Simply you turn in your heart. You, 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 you quit being hard-headed. And you turn to God and say, Lord, I need you. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be some giant, you know, hard, deep thing. It's got to be you letting God be in charge instead of you being in charge. Letting God get in the driver's seat instead of you. Amen? So the challenge to us today is, look, I can tell you why things are going on in America. Law of sowing and reaping. I can tell you why things are happening in people's life. Law of sowing and reaping. I can tell you there's a storm. We all can see it, right? But I can tell you the way to keep yourself right is just keep your heart right, repent, and watch what God can do to you. He can take the mess of your life. Even if you're in a mess today, even if you're so messed up, you're just saying, oh, God, how could you ever fix what I got? He can. He'll spit you out on the bank and turn you into something smelling sweet as long as you'll repent. Amen? Amen. Well, stand to your feet, please. I just want to say it one more time <clears throat> while my prayer team comes down here this morning. Listen to me. If you're out there listening and watching, you never heard this message before, you're in here today, and you realize, and you've just been so sad because you think your life is so messed up. I want to tell you something. It may be messed up, but if you repent right now and you turn to Jesus with all of your heart, you cry out to him, I'm going to tell you something. God has a way to spit you out on the bank and make you a sweet-smelling piece of ambergris. He can do it. All you've got to do is turn your heart for him. The Bible says anybody that calls out upon the name of Jesus and looks to Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, looks to Jesus to save them and deliver them and to be the one that they're looking to for their forgiveness, that that person will be saved. 
So right there, just hearing this message, right there, if you just call out upon the name of Jesus and ask him to come into your life, he'll touch you right where you are. If you're in the building today and you, you, you're not sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven, you're not sure that you're right with God, maybe you need to come up and just do a little repentance. So we have prayer team people up here this morning. Or maybe you need to pray for somebody else. Maybe you know somebody lost and undone in the world that you just feel like you need somebody to join in agreement with you in prayer. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. So I want to pray with you. Look at the person beside you one more time and say, you know, I think you smell better than you did when I came in here. Because I believe you're people that repent. I believe you're people that hear the word of God. And I believe you're people that are going to be a sweet smell unto Jesus. Amen. So Father, bless them today. Lord, as we go from this building, as we go from this place, I ask you to seal this message within their hearts. Lord, I ask you to seal it in them that, that, that they realize that, God, you can take the mistakes of our life and you can turn it around. And you can bring us to that place, Lord God, that we become a sweet-smelling sacrifice to you. So, Father, right now, we just repent. We just believe. We just trust you, Lord God, to get us where we need to be. That, Lord, you're in charge. And though the storms are blowing, Lord, we just know that we're right with you. And we give you all the praise. Bless them, Lord, as they go out in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here for prayer if you need it.